0: Hey, kiddos. Welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real dads with real feelings. Today, I'm joined by past Woodland Secrets guest. He is a second grade teacher and game designer, Kyle Reimergarten. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so great to talk to you again, because we used to live in the same city and now do not. And so uh, I sort of just see you know, what you're up to on Twitter. Um, And
1: increasingly and frequently at that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I neglected to mention, uh, in addition to being a teacher and a game designer, that you're also a dad yourself.
1: I am a dad. Yeah. I am a a double dad. I have two kids.
0: A double dad. Double Double dad dad.
1: multiplier. Yes. Two children. And it really is a multiplier. I did not like really anticipate that (laughs) because like... Um, my partner, Tiffany and I, we were like, when we we're having a second child. We we're like, yeah, it would be great. There's two of us. And like, we'll have two kids. It's like one each, you know? And, um, <laughs> and I didn't realize that like, when you, when you're a parent, that you're a parent of both the children all the time. And so it actually takes two of you to parent both the children. So it's like a, a my math for time, like that I was going to be having in my life, like totally did not work out. So, which is, it's, it's good. It's good to be parent to both child.
0: (laughs) yeah that is interesting though um like I I've talked to people who have multiple kids and um sometimes they're like oh after the first one it's just like well we've already sort of like got a system and like you know we're passing down stuff from like the one kid to the other one um but then I could also see how it's like oh no they're just both always on all the time? Like, yeah, like, it's not like you are, you're like, okay, I'm switching off the, the one kid switch now and I'm just a parent to one.
1: Yeah, like, I, I thought it would kind of be like, like Marvel vs. Capcom. You just, like, tag in your second <laughs> kid and you're ready for them. You're just like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but no, it's not like that. What frequently happens is, like, Tiffany and I are both busy doing, like, Miles stuff because that's the, he's the one-year-old. So he, like, needs a lot of things done for him. Like, like just a lot of, like, physical Creatural things like having his nose Wiped and stuff and then Like Then Macaulay's like hey like I also Need things like and we're like we can't We can't do anything about that and so then We're just trying to like coach her through Independently doing her things like mm. While Miles is like usually yelling about Something it's
0: it's it's wild That sounds like a lot Um and <laughs> how, how How old um how old Is McCully? McCauley is Six now so she's like a grown-up but okay yeah so there's like a pretty sizable age age difference
1: yeah like i mean she can do pretty much everything but um just for some reason like sometimes she balks at like having to like prepare her own dinner or something like that or you know like cut her own hair like she just doesn't want to do those kind of things actually she would love to cut her own hair like she did actually cut her own hair and she's still like living with the the consequences that manifested as a result of that. It's been, oh it's been a gosh. while now. Like, the, the lock of hair that is, like, right in the middle of her forehead is, like, slowly growing into, <laughs> like, past... It's, like, it's like moving past bangs right now, which is what my hair is doing, coincidentally, because uh-huh. we always talk about my hair.
0: We did talk about your hair quite a lot last time. It's true. It's true. It's important. I, I think about
1: it a lot. I don't know. I think that it must be, like... I... like Like, hair... I think for like a a male teacher that is working as I'm like the only one of two male teachers that are in my elementary school. So like it it's just like this locus of of maleness, like for me, like is is my hair identity and it's really hard for me to <laughs> to navigate. I don't have a roadmap for navigating my <laughs> like what I want my hair to be. <laughs> Because my own dad did not give me, like, anything, like, um, like any tools for, like, uh, n- no hair toolbox, as it were. Like, hair yeah. was just kind of there on his huh. head. And he was just like, yeah, I like my hair. And he just, like, had a very uncomplicated relationship with it.
0: Mm. Now, I'm curious about your experience as a teacher um, versus or compared to your experience as a parent. Because um, you were teaching for, like, a few years before you had your first kid, right? Yeah. Yes. Would you say there are things that you ha- that you picked up that maybe made you feel a little more prepared to be a parent through teaching, or is it just totally incomparable?
1: Um, I, it's, it's it's subtle. Like what happened to me, I feel like being a dad like changed me as a teacher, like more than mm. like being a teacher changed me as a dad. Like when I became a parent, like all of a sudden, all of these like professionalism with a capital P like boundaries, like in my, my work life of being a teacher, like a lot of these boundaries became so malleable and like, and they just like, wouldn't, I don't know. They, I found myself acting as a parent at work to all of these children who were not my children, like more often than it was like flowing the other way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like for example, like, um... I think that too, like for me as a teacher, like I've been teaching for about nine years. And when I first became a teacher, I was like, yeah, I know exactly how to be a teacher. I am great at it. I'm going to be great at it. It's going to be um, like, I know how to run a classroom. Like I know what kids need. Like I was like very, um, very arrogant about it. Like, I think that this is uh, an experience that's common to a lot of teachers coming out of teacher school. You're just like full of all this like new pedagogy and practice and you're just going to like smack the classroom with it. And it's just going to be great. Um, this might also just be like my, like natural feeling about myself going into any new endeavor as like a white male person. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to be awesome. Of course, why wouldn't I? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, in nine years, I would say that like my attitude towards like how to work with and alongside children, as opposed to just like setting up a classroom structure and doing things to kids, like that's been like a journey for me that, is still ongoing and I'm still trying to figure out how to um have like flatter power structures in a second grade classroom and what that looks like and how to practice like a more restorative justice like when we're handling like discipline and behavior issues in classrooms and like for me that's where like being a dad like I am like fully dad like when I am doing that with like some child that has like, broken relationship with the classroom because they have, like, shouted at all of their friends and thrown scissors across the room or, like, whatever it is that they have done that they just, like, couldn't show up in that moment. And then that's, that's where I find myself relating to them more as, like, a dad. Like, mm. as knowing, like, what my child would need, like, if she was really upset, like, and how to, like, just kind of be with them and be in that, like, really uncomfortable place and that feeling. Um, so that we can move past it towards like more a place of how do we work together now, like that this has happened, like how do we come back to a classroom?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone uh, talk explicitly in those terms about um, about that kind of relationship to parenting or like a position of power um, or authority, I guess is a better word. Of, of like, Mm -hmm. taking it from a restorative justice kind of point of view when, like, someone in a classroom is, like, breaking the covenant of that classroom of, like, working together. Um, And is that something that you, like, are those kinds of, like, terms that you think about in terms of with regards to parenting as well?
1: Yeah, totally. Like... Like Actually, I feel like um it comes easier for me to like to be in that place of thinking of um of relationship and restorative justice and like to make think about like um like structures of power and making them more visible in the classroom, like at home. Like Macaulay often gets me like when I am tired from like being with 23 kids like all mm-hmm. day. And she like she gets me when when I'm like not necessarily like consciously parenting, you know. Like, I'm not thinking, like, here's a thing that I'm going to do right now. Or, like, here's the situation we find ourselves in. Like, that kind of metacognitive thinking goes well with teaching, where I find myself constantly taking a step back and, like, taking a deep breath before acting. And at home, parenting oftentimes is just, like, acting. Just, like, something has happened and, like, we are so comfortable and familiar with each other that we go immediately into this unconscious acting place. Mm. So I would say that it's actually, like, way harder for me to be this, like, conscious parent with my child. Like and that constantly I find myself like navigating. I'm using a lot of like journeyman terms here, like, navigating, traversing, mapping location. That's the video games part of me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a map. Um it's it's harder for me to be like to be just like at home and to see Macaulay as like this autonomous being that where I like want to protect that autonomy and like allow her to speak um to me as a person who is like not like naturally like because of just how our family is like structured I'm I'm bigger than her and mm-hmm. older than her and she sees me as a person of authority so like empowering her to speak um to that authority is really challenging for me like I find myself like having this kind of gut reaction like don't talk to me like that I'm your dad like kind of like like arguments <laughs> yeah. with her, like way more, way more often. Like, I mean, I just like would not go to that place, like with my kids at school. Right. Like, I go to that place, like kind of like unconsciously sometimes, where I'm like, some kid says no to me, and I'm just like, oh, that feels really bad. I'm just gonna be really like, I'm, I'm a man, and I'm white, and that feels bad to me. Like, <laughs> and then I have to like come back from that. Like at school, like I have the tools to do that. And because it's like the environment is like, do this, like, just make sure you don't don't smush these kids. And at home, it's (laughs) easier for me to just be like, I am so comfortable smushing you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's the whole structure of parenting. Um, And that's sort of like one of the big things that I wonder about with parenting, because like there's all of this weight. To the idea that, like, yeah, parents are, like, these, like, authority figures over children, and children aren't really people, and, like, you know, there's scientific stuff about, like, oh, well, their brains aren't really done cooking yet, Um, and there's stuff about, like, they're not really, like, rational actors, according to most parts of society, and then at the same time, like, how do you, like, if you're someone who is invested in, like, in questioning authority or in examining hierarchies and things like how do you navigate now i'm doing it how do you uh how do you walk (laughs) that line you know of being like well yes like to a certain extent like i like or i'm like the responsible party here and also i don't want to just shut this person down whenever they do something that like i don't like but they may not know why i don't like that
1: yeah exactly and i think that like um, we hear a lot like in teaching too, like about the the brain development side of it. Like, yeah, kids don't have like their like empathy centers like well developed yet. Like they have a hard time like shifting to other perspectives. Mm-hmm. And like the whole like amygdala panic lizard brain thing that happens, like when kids get upset and they're just like inconsolable and raging. And like, cause that happens sometimes, like at mm-hmm. school and 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 that definitely happens at home, like where like Mac particularly, like because Miles is like so, so young, he's one, and he's delighted by yogurt. So, like, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, he Sam. he, he he's, he's easier, yeah. Like, it's like right now, um, like his, all of his concerns are like just physical, like body stuff, like uh, oh, you're teething. Here's oragel. like da like like solved. Um, but like when Mac like gets like that, where she's, like, really upset about something, um, and I feel like that's the most scariest place for me, because then I have the responsibility of, like, guiding her through that feeling so that we can have, like, a conversation about it, but, like, until she gets through that, like, she's kind of, like, in my hands, like, as it were, you know, Mm. Or, or Tiffany, too, like, like both of us like have navigated through tantrums sometimes and she is like really mad about something and like and can't listen to anything like because she's so upset and just having to like be there and be uncomfortable together and to be this person that is caring and kind and compassionate and not at all being triggered by like this raw emotion in front of me um so that i can say like all of the calming things that i would say to a kid that was going through this in my classroom and then like finally like come to that place of all right it's time for like deep breaths and now we can talk about like what happened cuz the happening thing is over like that it that's where i find i fall down as a dad sometimes because like i'm just like you're really upset and i'm letting myself get really upset about it too and then we're just mm-hmm. both like lots of yelling and feelings and it, like i wish that i had more self control
0: yeah that seems really tough um <laughs> where did you like encounter, first encounter all of all of the stuff um because you said like when you started teaching maybe you just had this perspective of like i'm going to be really good at this and like at that point did you already have these kinds of views about about how to do that stuff or Or is that something that you picked up over time?
1: Oh, not at all. I was like a hardcore behaviorist, like when I came out of school and I was just like, I was like, yeah, you know, like a kid's like not doing what you want. Like you're, um, you know, you wield your attention like a weapon. And like, it was just like, (laughs) I was very, um, like very invested in the idea. And the idea that, like, just by carrying myself, like, in a confident manner and by setting, like, very clear expectations and then having, like, really clear consequences and rewards, like, that that was how I was going to run my classroom. So, um, and that's, like, kind of what I did for the first couple of years. And I'm not going to lie, that goes really well because a lot of kids are looking Like, they've been trained by, like, coming to school Mm -hmm. and going to kindergarten and first grade that um, the classroom is a place of, like, rewards and punishments. Mm -hmm. And they're comfortable with that dynamic. And if you're a teacher that's just, like, time to crack some skulls, like, we're doing math. You don't want to? Well, are you sure? Because I've got, like, a whole box of finger puppets that you can eventually earn if you have enough star dollars. Um, And, like, that, like... Like, it, it works, but it also... I I felt like I was one of those people that like as like I wanted to like share more I don't know radical thinking with my kids like and like talk more about just um I don't know about critical thinking and the the classroom being a place to do that work then I was like I can't have this like top down hierarchical like structure in my classroom and have them, like, take seriously, like, w- what I'm saying, like, they'll only be doing it because they're performing, like, according to what I say is important to me. And it won't be a durable kind of, like, thinking change in them. So, yeah, it, it, a long way of saying, like, this was not at all something that I knew how to do, like, when I came out of teacher school. And it wasn't something I even really wanted to do.
0: Huh. That's that's so interesting. Um, I'm wondering, like, have you read any or did you read any sort of like material on parenting before you became a dad
1: um no not really like <laughs> <laughs> both tiffany and i we we talked about it and we were we were just like um we had we got hung up actually on like what what is the rationale for like having kids you know mm-hmm. like um like now and we decided that there's like really not like a good reason, except that you want to like, like, the, and that's kind of where I am like now, like, is that choosing to have children like is ultimately something that I did because like, I wanted to, like, I wanted to, like, there's not really like, I, I, I don't have any other like nobler, like thing to attach it to. Like it was really just Tiff and I were like, yeah, let's, we, we want to have a kid and we would do a good job being parents. Um, mostly because like both of us, like had experienced like things like in our childhood. So we're like, we know that we will not want to do that. So we're going to be great at this. And, um, I, I don't, I don't think in terms of like, I, aside from just like seeing Facebook stuff to read every once in a while about most of it is like about consent, because that's what the algorithm has decided that I really want to read about (laughs) is parenting and consent. Um, And like I do click on every single one of those articles because I want to be absolutely certain that I am teaching my daughter and my son about consent. Like so this anxiety that I'm going to um, raise children that just like slide right into the patriarchal like dynamic and just like be fine with it. I'm really worried about that. So um, I, I just keep clicking stuff on Facebook about consent. So far, um, I have not made it through one of those lists and gone, "Oh my gosh!" Like I'm not doing this, um, but you never know. <laughs> that seems good. <laughs> you you never know though. Like there could be one cool trick that doctors hate that <laughs> I haven't that I'm not doing.
0: That does seem important though. That seems like a key thing because, um, you know, I think that is something that I've seen people pay a little more attention to. Um, over the last few years. I'm sure it's a conversation that's been going on forever, but this idea of like, you know, one of the ways that we reproduce a culture that um violates people's yeah consent, totally. like bodily totally. autonomy and consent is like in childhood through what we think of as like really benign things. So like don't don't make your kid hug someone if they don't want to, <laughs> basically. Um that's, uh, I'm glad there are like, there are way worse things that Facebook could be, could be showing you. So I'm glad it's that.
1: I've, I've heard, I've heard there are terrible things on Facebook, but my Facebook is like a scintillating tower of, um, virtue and goodness. So
0: <laughs> I, the algorithm
1: works. It really, it really does. It's, it's just, um, vaporwave hoodies and consent.
0: So I'm curious, like, I guess you haven't read any of this stuff, but like, I'm, like any of the kind of conventional books, I'm like, I wonder what the sort of modern state of consensus is around that stuff, because I feel like probably it's moved away from sort of a strict kind of behavioralist perspective, or like at least there's been some like updates to that, but I feel like probably it's also not typically interested in like teaching kids about autonomy and power structures. (laughs)
1: <laughs> probably not. And I think that that's probably like something that like, I, I know that that Mac kind of tunes Tiffany and I out sometimes <laughs> because we're just like talking about work. So like, I mean, like, you have to with like two teachers in the family, because Tiff teaches second grade, too. So not only are we both teachers, but we both teach the exact same thing. So we just come home talking about teaching which is, like, another way of just talking about politics, which is another way of talking about parenting. And it's this, like, ongoing conversation that never stops. And so, at a certain point, Mac is just like, I just want to watch the adventures of Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir, and I just don't want even to, like, <laughs> talk to you again. Yes, I know. It's my body, my choice. Like,
0: just... <laughs> <laughs> it's my choice to watch the adventures of the miraculous is that miraculous ladybug
1: miraculous ladybug and cat noir yes um this is like her jam right now it is like a mashup of like superhero and magical girl anime but like done by a french animation studio with assistance from toai of japan it is um it is pretty bizarre
0: that sounds i'm looking at pictures of it now it looks wild
1: (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. They said that um, I read a bunch of stuff about this because I was just like, how does a show like this come to exist? Um, because it has everything that like magical girl anime has in it. And it also has like superhero stuff. And it doesn't seem like those things would go very well together, but they do. And it's focused on Ladybug. She's like definitely the protagonist, which I like that. And Cat Noir is also like, they modeled him after Catwoman. So. <laughs> Like, so good. His transformation sequence—you need to watch it. It is wild.
0: This sounds very cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mac loves this, and they just started a comic book, also. Mm-hmm. So we've been going to, like to the comic shop and getting issues of Miraculous Ladybug, and um, she loves all of the like catchphrases. Which my favorite one is um, like. All of the antagonists are like Ladybug and Cat Noir's friends that have been corrupted by suppressed, improperly expressed feelings. <laughs> and to, and they, they turn into these like monsters. And then once they like solve the root of the emotional conflict within this person, which is like ranged from a lot of different things. My favorite one is dealing with corruption and their student body election system. That was my favorite one.
0: Oh, it was my really God. Good.
1: Um, so once they saw that, then they transform back, you know, like uh, moon healing escalation style. And <laughs> it's, it's so good. We watch a lot of Sailor Moon in this house, too. So it, it's a magical girl household.
0: That's awesome. That's something that I'm always curious about with parents, too, is like, and on this show, we've talked about it a lot, is like media and parenting and like how you decide what kinds of media to, like, focus on and, like, how you deal with, like, with even just the topic of media, like, restricting versus, like, trying to provide context um because it seems so fraught.
1: Oh, totally. This is actually something that just came up, like, last night because Mac, like, on the weekend, she watches more TV than she does during the week. and the weekend, doesn't happen, like, every night or, like, only for, like, one episode of something. And on the weekend, like, usually she's just, like... She's been hard at work all week, and we're kind of like, oh, we all want to just, like, collapse at home and watch cartoons. And so she does that for, like, you know, like, three or four episodes of something. And lately, since it's Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir, um, then a lot of the, like, show's vocabulary is making its way, like, into her vocabulary. And last night, she, like, just kept on um, saying, no offense. Like, you know, she would say something mean, and then just say, no offense, no offense. Like, over and (laughs) and over again. And so we're like, people don't say that unless they're saying something that they know is mean and they want to absolve themselves of the responsibility of saying it. It's like an appeal to like a platonic mean thing that's just out there in the universe and they're just calling attention to it. Don't say that, Mac. And she's like, no offense, no offense. (laughs) It was like a verbal tick. (laughs) And so finally it was just like, you have to take at least one day off of Miraculous Ladybug if you can't stop saying this because it's like, it's infected your mind. Like you are going to turn into a mean person. If you go around saying no offense, like it's just, that's what the phrase does. It's like, um, it, yeah, it's, it's a bad thing to say. And she's like, I see what you're saying, but I'm gonna keep saying it. No offense. And it's just like, that's it. <laughs> but, one day, no miraculous ladybug which was um met with howls of anguish, mm. mostly um we don't restrict like really very much what she watches because we found that that is just like i don't know we do we do obviously we don't offer things to her if we we think that they're like wildly inappropriate or like have a lot of stuff that she just doesn't have like a schema for hanging her hat on um Like, if it's, like, a really violent or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a time when she got super obsessed with Powerpuff Girls, and I love Powerpuff Girls. But then, like, Tiffany and I, like, watch everything with Mac for the most part so that we can, if something comes up, we can talk about it, like, in the moment. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in Powerpuff Girls that I did not consider as a person who's not watched this show in a while. That there's just, like, some gender stuff that's still, like just kind of like weird to navigate, like particularly like the secretary mayor relationship is something that like, I was not really prepared to talk about, like with Mac and she's like, Yeah, explain this joke to me and I'm like, I don't want to.
0: So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense, but I don't really want to. No <laughs> <offense>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. But that was a while ago. I've also found that like Mac seems to her brain like reboots like every year or so. Um, and she'll forget things that she, has watched obsessively for a while, since she does tend to obsess on one show at a time. And so that has been, like, her watching tons of Sailor Moon or tons of Steven Universe or, you know, whatever. And she'll, like, really internalize those stories and they'll be really familiar to her. And then she'll move on to something else and then we'll come back to it a couple of months later. And she's like, I don't remember this. And I'm like, how do you not remember this? (laughs) But she's become, like, an entirely new person in that time and... Also, like the biggest part of her life is like what's going on with her friends at school. It's not what's going on like in her television viewing life. So she just like doesn't seem to hold as much space in her brain for remembering all of these characters. And I found that when I started reading the the Sailor Moon manga with her, like she was like, who is this again? And I was like, you know, Nephrite in the show, like, he got, like, pierced with the thorn, and he was, like, so sad, and it was, like, Nauru and all that business, and I remember all this stuff. And I'm like, how can you not, how can you call yourself a Sailor Moon fan <laughs> and not remember who Nephrite is? And she's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, they're all just, like, a bunch of men with long hair. Like, who cares? And I'm like, they're the four kings of heaven! Anyway. That's, that's pretty much, like... Max seems to glance off the surface of a lot of um, the things that she watches. She's also way into Doc McStuffins right now, which is a super wild show that I also recommend. Sorry, what is that show called? Oh, it's called Doc McStuffins. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you familiar
0: with this at all? I have never heard of it, and I have no idea what it is based on the title.
1: (laughs) Okay, Doc McStuffins. She is a human girl who is a doctor... And she is a doctor who magically shrinks herself down and enters into a world where all of her stuffed animals are alive. And some of those stuffed animals are like nurses and consulting doctors with her. And it's like, it's like Gray's Anatomy for kids with stuffed animals, is what it is. Um, so in this like stuffed animal world that she lives in like stuffed animals have like trauma that happens to them and Doc McStuffins like goes through diagnosis with them she like explains procedures that she's about to do she like has them like consent to like all of the medical procedures that are going to happen she has her anesthesiologist like put them to sleep she actually I think does her own anesthesia never mind she doesn't have an anesthesiologist (laughs) scratch that from the record Um, and then she performs the surgery and And then she, like, sews them up and then does, like, aftercare stuff and, um, like, sometimes therapy. Like, there was one episode where, like, she had, like, a stuffed animal that was, like, going through therapy. And their stuffed animal friend, like, showed up with them every day to cheer them on, like, while they did this. Um, I'm very impressed with Doc McStuffins. Like, it seems like it really is, like, yeah, we're going in hard on hospital stuff. We're going to make this feel real, but for stuffed animals.
0: (laughs) that sounds like a good show it's pretty great
1: it's got good songs um i imagine like it's it's not this way but you can kind of hear it in your head like once you imagine this i imagine the doc stuff and song is being performed by like a pop punk group um that like does you know silly covers of kids shows like themes uh-huh. so i imagine that it's like while I'm watching the Doc McStuffins theme song, I imagine the pop punk version of it like playing simultaneously. <laughs> um, like, like I don't know, like Further Seems Forever or something like that, like playing Doc McStuffins, the theme song. And I can, I, I, it just feels right to me. Or like Saves the Day. Saves the Day would do a great cover of Doc McStuffins theme song. <laughs>
0: I'll have to listen to it and then imagine what it would be
1: like. <laughs> um, I, I think that maybe some listeners are probably screaming now that I have called Further Seams Forever and Saves the Day pop punk. I know they're not pop punk, but you know what I mean. Like <laughs> some like power chords and some angsty like singing that is happening. I'm i I'm being like such a 33 year old dad right now. I know by like colluding all these things together. And that and it's not colluding. What's the word when you smash a bunch of stuff together?
0: Uh, that's a, called a mashup, I think. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. And I think we all learned a lot. Um, <laughs>
1: Thank you. Um, I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you want to tell people where they can find you online?
1: Yes, I am on twitter.com for now. And I am Moon Magic with M O O O N as the moon part. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. I think my Instagram might even be Moon Magic as well. And I have a page on itch.io, which is um, also Moon <laughs> Magic. Um, and that's where you can find my games if you have not played them. Um, and soon there will be there will be another page on there. I'm excited about
0: that. All right. Well. I will talk to you later and I hope you have a great night. Thanks Merit. I hope you have a good night too. Thanks. Bye kiddos. Dad feelings is hosted by Merit K and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad feelings is a part of stay me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Say Mean at dadfeelings.com slash support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz, off their album Coiled Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuis for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at dadfeelings and at Stay mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.